0: Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card, and you don't even have to sign up to watch free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. What are you waiting for? Never pay again for TV by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Also, a word from our friends at Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe is ready for anything that gets thrown at it. If a storm takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. An intruder cuts your phone line, Simply Safe is ready. Say they destroy your keypad or siren, Simply Safe will get you the help you need. Sure, maybe it's overkill, maybe you don't need to be ready for every worst-case scenario, but that's what makes Simply Safe's home security system so great. It is always ready. Simply Safe could cost an arm and a leg, but it doesn't. Instead, they only charge you what's fair. 24/7 professional security monitoring and it's just 14.99 a month. There are no contracts and no hidden fees. I recommend Simply Safe to everyone I know. You've got to check it out. So go to simplysafe.com/pff today. That's simplysafe.com/pff. Protect your home and family today. Simplysafe.com slash PFF. Now we cue the music. Welcome in. Steve Palazzolo here along with Sam Monson. Heading into week three of the NFL, Sam. It is time... How you doing, buddy? Better mood this week?
1: Yeah, much better mood. Got got some significant sleep on, what was it, Tuesday night, Wednesday night? One of the nights without football. Got some sleep. Dramatically better mood. Just going to be cranky Mondays for you? Uh, well, certainly this week. I sure let's see what not. next week is We'll like. see what happens.
0: Uh, so, let's get right into the action. We did more of a quick-hitting style last week. We got a ton of good feedback on it because we got through every game, tried to give a PFF type of angle on every single game so let's just get right into the action uh most everyone here is listening to this either friday or saturday so we've got no thursday night nothing to look forward to even though this is yeah. being recorded before the thursday night game we assume it was a great game it was a great game it. um baker mayfield i think probably came off the bench and saved the browns sure that's my prediction see what happens i was hoping for baker versus Darnold. i don't think we saw it no but we'll see we're we're, we're talking about Something in the past, but we hope you guys enjoyed Thursday night football. Let's get right to the Sunday slate, though. Tennessee Titans at the Jacksonville Jaguars, an important division game. One and one Titans against the Jags. What are we looking for in this one, Sam?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm curious about the Cam Robinson injury thing. Obviously, PFF has never been a great fan of Cam Robinson. Um, he, you can see immediately looking at his tape that he is a talented player. He can make all the blocks you want. It just doesn't happen that often, and there's an awful lot of bad plays between the good plays. He went out last week. It didn't really hinder them against the Patriots, but his replacement um, did grade terribly. Uh, Sub-50 PFF grades across the board. Basically got beat up pretty badly against Adrian Claiborne. Um, Will that come back to haunt them this week?
0: It didn't feel like it hurt hurt them at all last week
1: because Bortles was just in the zone. Blake
0: Bortles played great, and I think that's what – What I really want to see here is how do the Jags play on offense? Uh, Leonard Fournette not in the game last week. And, you know, we've been been pounding the table for this anti-running back type of uh, offense in the NFL these days. Like, don't worry about the running game. Don't worry about running back. But he was the fourth overall pick, and a lot of people think that he instilled this toughness and run attitude to the Jags. But they truly are a better offense without him.
1: I mean, at the very minimum, I don't see a drop-off between him and... The guys behind him, the Eldon and Grant, Yeah, Cory fine.
0: Corey Grant's caught all six of his targets this year for 56 yards, five of which have gone to for first downs. And here's what I really want to see from the Jags. They were so aggressive last week. It was truly the opposite. I said this on the other podcast, truly the opposite of what they did in the AFC Championship last year. I want to see if they keep, continue to put the ball in Bortles' hands because he was really good last week. Same old deal. Can, he, can they continue that action on offense? Mm-hmm. Important division game. What do we have? Everybody taking the Jags here over at PFF. Not Green Line, though. We're not talking Green Line no. picks.
1: Those are the special picks you guys got to go check with your PFF Elite subscription. These are our crazy picks, which I appear to be leading at the moment. I heard. That's good. I've nailed. So. You have two ties in there. Though. Either I'm still. Actually, it doesn't matter because only Renner and uh, Gordon picked the Jets on Thursday night. So either way, I'm still going to be leading. Whatever happened yesterday. I'm proud of you. are just going to be keeping. I will still be leading. Um, you be counting every game? Well, the point is that i nailed both Thursday night picks so far, which at the moment is the difference gotcha.
0: between me and other people. All right, next game, San Francisco 49ers at the Kansas City Chiefs. What you got, yes. Sam?
1: So you remember in training camp, there were videos coming out of Richard Sherman getting absolutely abused by Marquise Goodwin, who is a former sprinter. Yes. Um, Richard Sherman, even at his peak, has never been the fastest cornerback in the league. And he's combated that by being able to get his hands on you and make sure that you never basically get a clean run right past him. But if he misses at the line or he isn't able to get hands on you, he can be run right by. And that's what Goodwin did to him. Tyreek Hill can do that to pretty much anybody in the NFL. He did it to Artie Burns this past week, you know, release off the line that gave him like three yards of separation laterally from Burns and then just ran right past him. Richard Sherman versus Tyreek Hill is a really interesting matchup, because Hill can do that to anybody, but Sherman has allowed one catch so far this season. Two games, 99 snaps in coverage, one catch to Stefan Diggs, and that's it. That's all Sherman has given up so far, which honestly is a story that probably needs to be talked about a little bit more. The guy coming off an Achilles injury, how is he going to play? So far, really quite well. And this will be a huge
0: test, whether it's Tyreek, whether it is Watkins, as you say. I mean, it's uh, it's the Kansas City explosive passing attack, I'm kind of looking for the same thing. It's all about coverage, right? We've got the lowest-graded coverage units per PFF going head-to-head in this game, Niners and Chiefs. We've made fun of the Chiefs plenty on this on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball and said, okay, it's like a Big 12 team. They're not going to play defense. They're going to be an explosive offense. and This is the Niners' chance to you know, get Jimmy Garoppolo into a nice groove and attack Kansas City. I mean, it looks like it'll be another high-scoring affair. But, yeah, the two lowest coverage units in the entire NFL – Going head-to-head. Are we all buying into Kansas City? Yes, yeah. it looks like we are. Everybody's got the Chiefs in this one at home against the Niners. Next game, your favorite of the weekend, I know. Oakland Raiders at the Miami Dolphins.
1: Yeah, it kind of feels like I just, I'm just i not going to like any Dolphins game at any stage this year, even though they actually have some interesting aspects of them. The thing that I want to see in this game is, is Robert Quinn really back to his best? Not his best, because his 2012 season was absurd. But he's playing well, like really quite well. He's the 11th best-graded edge defender so far. Colton Miller, the Raiders' questionable first-round pick, depending on where you ranked him on your your board. Um, He's he's been okay so far. He's been reasonably good in pass protection, so at least he's stronger in the right area. Um, But Quinn, like, is is playing extremely well, and this this becomes a fascinating one-on-one matchup on the blind side for the Oakland Raiders. I know you, you love the blind side. I love the blind side, yes, of course. The blind side flips.
0: Uh, so Quinn's an interesting thing because of the Dolphins the big question marks all over the roster they needed guys like Quinn to be good for them to be good now they're sitting at two and 0 I'm looking at the other side I think John Gruden is trolling the media at this it's point. hard to
1: find a top end
0: pass it's rusher, hard Steve. to find a pass rusher so I'll be watching that Raiders pass rush can they get after the quarterback at all some numbers behind this uh, Arden Key leads the Raiders with four total pressures so far through two games but his pass rush grade is only 57.8. That's not good. The highest pass rush grade on the team is Bruce Irvin, who has two pressures, a sack and a hit. And again, not every, it's not always going to be this linear, more pressures equals better grade. It's about style and how you do it and forced fumbles and other wins that don't count. But that's a bad pass
1: rushing unit right now. Well, it's hard to find good pass rushers, Steve. It's very I mean, difficult. Give the man it. a chance. He's only been there a few months. He hasn't had a chance to find one yet.
0: Our guys have convinced me though that it's not the wrong. It wasn't necessarily the wrong move to move on from Khalil Mack,
1: if you're rebuilding this roster. Just as long as you don't spend the next twelve picks you have trying to find your elite pass rusher, that might make it a bad move.
0: First one where we disagree. You've got the Dolphins. I have the Raiders. You got the Dolphins going to three and huh? Yeah. You're also going to pick against the Raiders every week, I think.
1: Pretty much. Plus, especially going cross country to Miami. Ah, oh, I mean, the
0: cross country move. That's on, true.
1: Dude. That's true.
0: A Lot of travel down to Miami. Exactly. All right, next game, one of the best games of the week, the New Orleans Saints against the Atlanta Falcons. A lot of great stuff in this matchup every single year.
1: Yeah, so New Orleans had the number one ranked offensive line in PFF's offensive line rankings this week. You can find them on profootballfocus.com. Mike Renner wrote them up. Atlanta's defensive line, with the exception of Grady Jarrett, is bad. So is this just, do they just get steamrolled by the Saints? Do they just line up? grind them into the ground Alvin Kamara goes for 150 like this could be an absolute bloodbath up the middle alternatively a bunch of people need to step up for the Falcons to avoid that happening
0: yeah the Falcons defense as a whole is kind of what I'm looking at just because of the big injuries with Keanu Neal and especially Deion Jones and I think we're going to point to this as one of the things to watch throughout the season Deion Jones does his damage against running backs and Alvin Kamara is this Mm -hmm. unbelievable weapon for the Saints so Uh, you know what do they end up doing on that side of the ball
1: this is an interesting matchup though because the pff analysts us muppets are you know torn on this game we go either way and green line has some very strong opinions on this game yeah not
0: it's the i think one of the stronger games of the week might end up becoming the pick of the week we'll see you guys got to check out the pff forecast for that and there's a couple other youtube videos that will you know let let you know what the pick is here but um they've got strong opinions on the game, we'll leave it at that. On the Saints Falcons game, so it's Duke Riley essentially replacing Deion Jones. I want to watch him every single week because it's so important. A forty two point nine grade for him so far this season with Alvin Kamara on the other side. He will be crucial. Who you got in this one, Sam?
1: Uh, I got the Saints. I think I do too.
0: I do. I do take the Saints, and I don't know. I'm doubting myself a little bit as well already. The um, both Saints corners have given up a passer rating of over one fifty so far through two games. So Matt Ryan should still be fine after that bad week one. All right, next game, Buffalo
1: Bills at the Minnesota Vikings. This game generally fascinates me because I was giving you the numbers earlier today. Vegas has this as a 16.5 get spread point spread game. So 16.5 points they think the Vikings are going to win by. And the over-under was what, 40, did I say it was? 42, 41? It's like 40. Yeah, 40, 40, 41, 41, I yeah. think. So it's a 16 and a half point margin of victory with the total teams combining for 41 points. They're basically saying the ball flow is about to get absolutely hammered and barely score, Yeah, um, which I don't disagree with as a concept. The thing that I'm looking for though is Lorenzo Alexander, who he's a fascinating story period of a guy who bounced around the league, played multiple different positions from defensive tackle to off the ball linebacker, which is bizarre. Like, Most people do not span that spectrum of front seven players, but he has been like the one ray of light in this malevolent cesspool that's been the Buffalo defense so far through the first two weeks of the season. He's the only guy, basically, that's grading well and looking good. Everything else around him stinks.
0: Yeah, pretty much. So I'll be watching the other guy that shouldn't stink over there on the Buffalo side, Tredavious White, going up against those Vikings receivers, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, when they're matched up, Uh, maybe Laquan Treadwell. But Tredavious, um, usually he's not necessarily going to go track Stephon Diggs or anything. They're, they're generally not going to flip sides. Treadwell is basically Buffalo.
1: only still there because they can't cut him without costing themselves money. Yeah, yeah, I get it.
0: But Tredavious off to a slightly slower start, even though the stats aren't bad. 69 uh, coverage grade so far this season. Again, I don't think Buffalo's back seven should be as bad as they've looked the yeah. first couple of weeks. So I think at some point they turn it around at least a little bit. Let's see. If it's this week, I'm assuming everybody's got Minnesota in this oh, one. Oh, yeah. All right, Vikings across the board for PFF. Again, Green Line might have a slightly different take on that because they're going up against the number. Uh, Indianapolis Colts are going to be taking on the
1: Carson Wentz-led. Yes. Philadelphia Eagles, I'm pretty sure that's all we're watching. Exactly. Carson Wentz is back. He's coming back off that knee injury. That in and of itself is interesting. Then you get to the the added layer of what does Carson Wentz look like this year after last season because as good as he played last season. So we've had this conversation a lot with Deshaun Watson. There were a bunch of numbers that suggested that Watson would come back down to earth regardless of being injured. There were unsustainably high numbers in a few critical areas Wentz wasn't quite the same level of absurdity, but he was really, really good on like third down and deep down the field. Those kind of tight tight window throws, tight window throws, throws. the the low percentage stuff he was insanely good at last year. That stuff tends to regress back to the mean. So even I mean, he could actually end up being a better player. But come back to the earth, come back down to earth, regress to the mean in those areas. Just generally, whence this year is a fascinating player to watch. Yeah, I think you said
0: it the right way. It's it's not as extreme as Deshaun Watson, but it's similar. It's a you know it's a lesser Deshaun Watson type of situation. But por- both of these guys are coming off of injuries as well, and that affects some of that regression. So, what does he look like? One other matchup, I think, though Quinton Nelson, who a lot of people are just showing, he's the left guard, uh, first round pick. For the Colts, the otherworldly prospect at guard, by our numbers, a slow start for Nelson, even though people are showing him ragdolling people here and there. A slow start, but he's got to face guys like Fletcher Cox in this game. So, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be fun to watch. A guy that we're calling a generational guard in Quentin Nelson getting tested early in his career with guys like Fletcher Cox.
1: Yeah, and now this is perfectly timed because coming out of the Colts game, we get our Captain Andrew Luck reading. And I'm going to go with a couple of tweets, but let's cue the music and we shall read from the captain, the captain's latest missives. Um, let's see, where are we got? There's a couple of tweets here, which I'm going to read both of. Uh, Dearest Mother, there has been little time to relish our victory over, Was- over the Washington unit as we move out once again. A convocation of eagles in Philadelphia seeks battle. Scouts report their captain, who may or may not be British royalty, returns to the field command. Andrew. And then this latest one today, just three hours ago. I didn't even know this existed until I looked great. it up right this now. This is really calling an audible. Dearest Mother, the unit inches closer to the Philly land by the day. General Reich, once a high-ranking officer for the Eagle Men, aiding them at Bowl Valley, has been tracking their unique trail of feathers and cheese. I estimate we shall arrive by Sunday. Anxious, Andrew. What's Reich? Is the
0: captain? General Reich. General Reich is the general. It's pretty good. He looks. He sounds focused again. Mm. I'm just impressed with his um, demeanor this year.
1: You know his attitude. Yeah. This, man. by the way, was a tremendous mistake. You got coffee. Yes. And that makes sense, right? I got a carbonated beverage, and that is leading me to want to belch on the it's microphone. Bad for
0: pot. We did that last week, man. We had that last week. With yeah. The, with the cokes.
1: Yeah, we didn't learn. Well, I think we. I don't think we, like, brought it to the attention of the listeners at that point. We just, like, let rip before the podcast. We're very unprofessional here. Whereas now, now it's a struggle to contain and or dissipate. You have a cough I button. I do. I mean, is that it. is that strictly for coughs or is that for belching as well?
0: Oh, no. They call it a cough button by default, but mm-hmm. you get, there's multiple uses for it. Uh, any sounds that you need to make that you just, just want to hide from the listeners. Just hit the cough button. Okay. Go ahead and do that. Got it. Uh, next game, we've got the Green Bay Packers at the Washington
1: Redskins, Sam. What are you looking at, buddy? Well, this is the battle of the two, five, 2005 first-round quarterbacks. That's what it is. Which which one is better? Is this it Aaron Rodgers or is it Alex Smith? It's like a
0: Cal-Utah rematch from the Pack 10 I'm just saying back.
1: one of those guys went number one overall and the other one didn't. Yeah. Did they get the
0: right one, the Niners? No. Don't think they did. Think they did that's a fun matchup. Is that all you have? Just that? Pretty much. Rogers I mean, so versus
1: Smith. It's interesting, right? Aaron Rodgers is still hobbled. He's going to be busted up for like the better part of a couple of months playing hurt on that knee. But honestly, in a weird way, it actually makes him scarier because you force him to play completely within the pocket where he is also devastating. And in doing so, you almost make... There's no chance for a defense to actually pass rush him because the ball's coming out in two seconds. Um, Alex Smith... Like, he is what he is, right? He is this—what is he?
0: Oh, my gosh, I forgot the word you used. Pathologically Pathologically conservative. Pathologically
1: conservative quarterback. Sorry, put me on the spot there. I know, yeah, I thought thought you could come up with it. Um, Pathologically conservative quarterback, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, he is really good and really accurate at the underneath stuff, and if he can take just enough deep shots to take advantage of that and to keep the defense honest, he can be a really effective quarterback, for a team that's in a good spot. And the Washington Redskins, okay, they lost last week, but I think roster-wise, this team is in a good spot. So, like, it sounds silly because, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is massively better than Alex Smith, but I think it is a fun quarterback battle. Yeah, I'm still always
0: interested in Alex Smith, especially in these new places. This is a battle of two out of the five quarterbacks in the NFL that have not thrown a turnover-worthy play yet, Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith. Good stat. However, Rodgers does have an interception, as does uh two of the other guys out of that five so again hmm. not every interception is considered turnover worthy so these guys have done a good job of taking care of the ball the one thing though i do want to take a look at i know it's early but if you're just going by our team coverage grades over in pff elite the washington redskins sitting atop the number including a guy like quentin dunbar who kind of had a breakout season last year was solid and uh made a name for himself one of the best corners in the league so far this season, eighty nine point six coverage grade for him. So great week one, yeah. So I just want to see Dunbar and you know what, DJ uh, Swearinger. Both of those guys are, are grading well. We'll talk about Swearinger a little bit later, uh, but this could be one of the more underrated games of the weekend, I think. Yeah, Did I we can see that. But we still all went yes. pretty unanimous yeah. with Green Bay. It's this Aaron. It's still this Rodgers factor. I think he's gonna, you know, you get the better quarterback, and the Packers are looking pretty good mm-hmm. overall. Next game we get the Cincinnati Bengals at to the Carolina Panthers. I think this is a tough one. This is a you know cross uh, cross conference game and uh, could go either way.
1: So the thing I'm interested to watch in this game is AJ Green from the slot. When we were at the Cincinnati Baltimore game last week, we were there, hometown from the press we box. We're there. We were there. We were watching it and it felt like AJ Green was in the slot all the time because every time we looked up, he was scoring a touchdown from the slot. Um, Turns out he was only actually there 10 snaps out of 69 um, and for the season has only been lined up in the slot 13 times. But on those 13 snaps, he has been targeted four times. Those four passes have all gone for touchdowns, and they've got 81 yards out of it.
0: That's incredible.
1: Yeah. So every time they targeted A.J. Green in the slot this year, they scored a touchdown.
0: This feels like the Bengals were reading PFF this offseason, talked about how important the slot is. They didn't necessarily move him there more often, but when they moved him there, they're like, all right, this is, this is mismatched territory.
1: So one, what do the Panthers do to combat that? And Two, do they have a better plan than putting their really short slot cornerback on A.J. Green the way the Ravens did with Tavon Young? Because... The Panthers typically play Captain Munro in the slot, and he is a small corner as well. So what do they do? The Bengals did a nice job of
0: scheming those plays too because sometimes yeah. when he's inside, it's the you know, inside guy runs the corner route. I know another, another touchdown was just straight up. He just went off the line on a drag route mm-hmm. or a, a deep cross. So that's an interesting matchup. I'm going to the other side of the ball. Christian McCaffrey, who has been a high, high-volume target out of the backfield for the Panthers, going up against the Bengals' linebackers, who historically are just never good. Yeah especially in coverage. And this year, you know, pretty much the same. Hardy Nickerson, 60.5 coverage grade. Nick Vigil, 60.2 coverage grade. Jordan Evans, when he's out there, 29.8 coverage grade. He was supposed to be a little bit of the opposite coming out. Not great against the run, but this athletic presence. He's just very volatile uh, at linebacker in general. Preston Brown, when he was um, in there in week one, was okay. But, um, yeah, just some questions underneath for the Bengals and Christian McCaffrey, who is seeing a ton of, of action right now. I want to see that matchup. Because I think he can go off again. Yeah, I can see that. Where are we going with this one? I went Cincinnati. I think I did too. No, you didn't. I lost my sheet. You went Carolina. I did? Yep. That's a misprint. <laughs> I think it auto-filled. I don't think it did. I wanted to go Cincinnati. Yeah. But um, I did end up going Carolina, apparently. Yeah. I think this one's close to me for me, though. It's, it's pretty much a toss-up. All right, next game: Denver Broncos at the Baltimore Ravens. Sam, what are we looking at?
1: Uh, Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay against that Baltimore run defense. Lindsay is averaging almost four yards per carry after contact. He's broken six tackles despite be- weighing about as much as my shoes. Baltimore basically has a, a defensive front full of nose tackles. So, how does a guy that weighs seven pounds run against guys that just clog the middle and stuff the run all day? I like the Ravens matchup there overall, with some,
0: you know. Some question marks with some question marks uh, on. De- I'm not expecting Denver to to be a huge factor this year. Same thing as last year, right? Starting out hot, couple games at home.
1: Well, so I'm expecting some regression from them. I mean, like last year, though, we said when they started off well, it was because their quarterback was playing in, at a viable level, and when he went to hell, the team went to hell, right? But Case Keenum's okay, so that might actually maintain itself. I like Philip Lindsay for the sole reason. That he is one of the few NFL players that weighs less than me. What's he? What's his official weight? 165. Okay, that's impressive. At 5'8". That's impressive. That's not supposed to happen. No. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a much broader spectrum of NFL players that weigh less than you. But there's not there that is. many that yeah. weigh less than me. That's That number is dwindling, by the way. The ones that weigh less than you? Yeah,
0: as I let myself go year over <laughs> year. Like, there's far fewer players that weigh less than me.
1: When like offensive tackles start to weigh less than you, that's when you know you've got to, it's going too far. <laughs>
0: if we're doing this pod in ten years, there's a good chance I'm sitting here at three seventy five <laughs> as the heaviest player
1: potentially in the, in NFL. the NFL. Yeah.
0: There's a good chance the way this I'm trending like, right now.
1: But we just got back from the gym, so Yeah. There's like one out of out of shape offensive tackle the coaches are yelling at every week he's the one guy that's heavier than Steve in ten years' time.
0: Time to get my ass back in shape. Anyway the uh, Broncos pass rush is what I'll be watching. Vaughn Miller off the edge, James Hurst on the other side. They'll be facing each other plenty. The Ravens were much better in week one against a bad Bills defensive front. Not nearly as good against the Bengals in week two against a good Bengals defensive front. So kind of want to watch that Ravens O-line. Even Marshall Yonda had
1: some trouble with Geno Atkins last It's week. probably worth letting people know, right? For the people on YouTube, it's fairly self-apparent. Steve is a significantly larger human being than me. He is allegedly list height, listed height of six 6'10". 6'10". I mean, uh, there may be, there was some, there's some controversy about that, there's right? There's no controversy. It may or may not be 10. two inches shorter than that. But anyway, he's a big human being. Tipping the scales around where, Steve? Uh, the most re- I'll just go with the most yeah, recent okay. reading was 282. Okay. So that put Steve approximately uh, 10, 11 inches taller than I am and somewhere in the region of 100 pounds more than me.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a lot. It is. That's why I can't do as many pull-ups as you. This is true. Our pull-up competition was uh, one-sided. That's just the context when it comes
1: to, you know, the NFL players weighing less than us.
0: Uh, I don't think everyone at PFF hates Denver. However, we're all taking Baltimore.
1: Yeah, this is the thing, right? Unanimous could mean everybody thinks your team sucks, or it could just mean every single person thought it was really close. That's all. 49-51 and went 51. Next game, we've got the New York Giants at the Houston Texans. What you got, Sam? Uh, Deshaun Watson is currently the highest pressured quarterback in the NFL right now. Almost 50% under pressure. Now over 40 is a high number. Over 45 is typically you can't play under this level of duress. Around 50 is just absurd. 48% was the level Case Keenum was pressured in the NFC Championship game against the Eagles and just had no shot of playing, right? Yep. That is the level Deshaun Watson is under pressure right now. Now, some of that is him. Um, he does bring more pressure on himself than Case Keenum did last year, for example. Uh, but the Houston Texans have allowed seven more pressures than any other offensive line in the NFL so far through two games. Uh, the lowest pass-blocking efficiency score in the NFL, naturally. So I'm kind of fascinated by how that dynamic works over any extended period of time. As with most, most quarterbacks that extend plays like him, there's a little
0: bit to blame this is on Watson, saying, yeah. of course. But... Definitely something to keep it This is what we expected, right? Yes. And this is what we've talked about all offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's worthwhile. And I'm going to go Saquon Barkley on the other side. I had a tweet that got everybody all angry. Uh, if you take out his 68-yard no, touchdown run, ever which you out. can't take out, it happened, Sam. It absolutely credit to Saquon Barkley for his spectacular week one 68-yard touchdown run. However, other than that run, he's averaged 2.4 yards per carry. That the cough button worked perfectly. It worked. I wonder if it got picked up over there. You (laughs) Um, can turn your head too to hide from the YouTubers. Well, they saw two point four yards. That's why
1: you need to watch YouTube. So you can see us let rip with belches while the cough button hides it for the audio. Download and listen and watch. The other thing that I'm kind of curious to know is, despite given how bad that Houston Texans offensive line is, can Damon Snacks Harrison get some pass rush pressure? Ooh, that's like, this one. could be a this could be a marquee game for him. Racks like a three up, pressure like, game, yeah, racks up like three, four pressures has a career game.
0: I like it. So yeah, I, the the point with Barkley it's not to take it's not to diminish the sixty eight yard touchdown run, but if you are averaging two point four per pop over say forty ish carries, that's very inefficient for your offense and bad offensive football. So far,
1: he's exactly what we said he, he is was, exactly what he said. And for, the so problems far. have been exactly what we said that a guy in that situation is like the third or fourth most important thing for the success of the offense. Fix the quarterback, fix the pass protection. The running game is determined by the offensive line blocking for him. And then the running back can give you the value add. You got to fix the first three things before you can spend luxury picks on the fourth thing.
0: Yep. So let's, uh, let's just see how his development goes against uh, Houston and the great JJ Watt up front. Quick break to tell you guys about our friends over at my bookie. Of course, who you're going to pick is just as important as where you're going to pick them. So you got to get to mybookie.ag. We've been doing some uh, good stuff over there, Sam. How are you doing with your uh, your wagers so far? Doing okay, Listen. it's been up and down. You were you you're betting on something
1: nuts this week, right? What's that?
0: Oh, I've got a uh, I've got a prop bet out there. Yeah, I'll mention it later. later? It'll Come up later. Okay. I got a prop bet all out right, there. All right. All right. I did it at mybookie.ag because it's so simple. The prop bets are great. The season-long stuff is great. Plus, they've got in-game stuff. I recommend this to my listeners because they've been good to me. So I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win and they pay. I mentioned the in-game stuff, live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Now, for whatever reason, Sam, they really want people to sign up after 7 p.m. Eastern. I don't know if it's because somebody comes home, have a glass of wine, and they think they're gonna you're gonna spend a little bit more money. I'm not sure exactly why, but they want you after 7 p.m. Eastern. But if you do. They're going to give you an additional $25 free on deposits of over 100 bucks.
1: Well, that sounds like a good deal.
0: That's a good deal. So join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when you use the promo code PFF25 to activate it. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code PFF25. That's PFF25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. If you're willing to hold out till 7 p.m., you get the extra $25 free play by using promo code PFF25. It's all up to you guys. I'd wait till after dinner. Take that extra money. You play. You win. You get paid over at mybookie.ag. A couple more games to get through, Sam. Los Angeles. A battle of Los Angeles. The Chargers and the Rams. Yeah. What are you laughing at?
1: Just the idea that this is a battle of Los Angeles with, you know, the San Diego Chargers, with the Chargers and the Rams. The San Rams. um Rams. Anywho. Keenan Allen versus the Rams secondary is what I'm fascinated in. You've got this Tlaib-Peters uh, dynamic. They've allowed 39 yards as a pair combined over two games. That's pretty spectacular. But what's interesting is Keenan Allen plays a lot in the slot. So in theory, you can take him away from Talib and Peters, move him inside where he can really exploit the, the weak link on that Rams defense. And the weak link in this instance is Nicole Roby coleman who has allowed 37 yards himself over two games. So the weak link of this Rams secondary has allowed 37 yards in two games. Uh, you know, that's, pretty <laughs> that's good. pretty really
0: good secondary. See, I think it's going to be more about the line, trying to find a way to get, exploit the linebackers. So I know the Rams like to play man coverage and all that stuff, and they'll do their best. On Keenum Allen, but if you saw last week's game, the Chargers were just shallow cross after shallow cross after shallow cross. That is like the cross.
1: Rivers to the Allen mo is shallow cross. Shallow
0: crosses, but I think that's going to challenge the Rams linebackers. Where if there truly is a weakness on the defense, it's everybody who calls himself a linebacker in this defense, whether that means the outside backers rushing or the inside backers playing in coverage. So I do think that is potentially a matchup to watch. I know you've got some other matchup in this one you want to talk about later, perhaps yeah. anytime the Rams are involved. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, other side of the ball, you know, Chargers there, pass coverage, a step back a little bit. Back in back in week one, they played the Chiefs. Last week, they played Josh Allen. We don't really—that's the two extremes yeah. of the NFL right now. So I do think this is a game that will test them out. You know, the Sean McVay, his pass offense going against that Chargers pass defense, I think will be a pretty fun matchup. Yeah. Do we both have the Rams? Are Everybody we all buying in the Rams? the Rams? Wow. Everybody's got the Rams.
1: Yeah. What's
0: well, a home game?
1: So. Well, yes, of course. you got to go with the home team if yeah, it's I close. Mean, that kind of uh, travel distance, it's a rough. Just saying, the Chargers, it's going to be a tough week for them.
0: So we're all taking the Rams in that one. Uh, Chicago Bears at the Arizona Cardinals. The They are who you are, who they who we think they are. They are who we think they were.
1: We are who they think they are. Wow, you wrote, Game? You wrote that right off the tracks. Rest in peace, Danny Green. Yeah. Sorry. Um, the thing to watch for me is, will the Arizona Cardinals make it past the 50-yard line this week? They almost didn't last week, legitimately. It took them until the last couple of plays of the game to make it across the 50-yard line. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, that was bad. Like It's one thing getting shut out of a game, but most people get shut out. They spend some time in the opposing territory. It just doesn't, you know, they can't manage to punch it in or they shank a field goal or whatever. The Cardinals they almost didn't cross the 50-yard line in the game. So, yeah, good. will they manage to do that against what is looking like a really good Chicago, set, uh, Chicago defense? Khalil Mack has 12 total pressures in two weeks. Um, I know it's hard to find a top-level pass rusher. That's hard. Sure. And that's why the Bears went out and traded two first-round picks to get him and paid him a boat ton of money. You can't find so, one. you got to go get one. Exactly. So they found one. It was hard, but they did it. Um, that whole defensive front is grading extremely well. Arizona has the lowest ranked offensive line in the nfl through two weeks according to our latest offensive line rankings lowest the lowest khalil Mack against the lowest khalil Mack against the lowest ranked offensive line in the game yeah that could be tough uh, I, I
0: need to see uh mitchell trubisky or mitch i'm telling you go back to mitch he'll look much cleaner in the pocket can mitch throw to his left oh definitely yeah mitch, mitchell's got no shot right uh, Mitch Trubisky right now currently number 29 out of 33 qualifiers in passing grade out of mm-hmm. the top 33 qualifiers that I saw. I'm pretty sure it's 33. Uh, not the type of year two that I expected. I'm not ready to completely write him off or anything like that, but I'm getting some rookie year Jared Goff type of vibes. Where yeah. know, there's, yeah, there's a couple good
1: things, but there's just some bad,
0: bad football in there. That's concerning.
1: It's weird because the, this, so a lot of quarterbacks now when they, if they're amazingly good, they get it immediately. There's not this kind of development time. They just, it clicks. They're immediately awesome. And that kind of, so Patrick Mahomes, right? Okay, he sat for a year, but Russell Wilson, whatever. There's a bunch of guys that come in, and from day one, you can see this guy is the, the real thing. He's amazing. And it kind of, adjust, it makes you expect everybody does that, right? That's how quarterbacks are now. They, you either see it from day one or you don't see it at all. Right. But there is still this path to development for guys like Jared Goff. Terrible year one. Okay, bad situation. Carson Wentz, you know, hit the ground running right away, but then fell right off in that rookie year. Year two is a dramatic step forward. There is still this route to developing as a quarterback over a few years. You guys it's just get it that, at different times. It's just yeah. that people now expect you to get it from day one. Otherwise, there's something wrong.
0: Yeah, so I think that's fair. I just, so I just, I'm going to watch him. Right now, currently, in our play for play grading, has more negative plays than positively graded plays. It's yeah, uh, never good because no. it's usually. Pretty clear win for positively graded plays. The way we do it, um, so something to keep an eye on in that one. Are we all taking Chicago because nobody yeah. has faith in Arizona? Yeah, I think that's fair. They may be the worst team in the game. Dallas Cowboys at the Seattle Seahawks, a game that probably looked much better on paper three years ago. Uh, Seattle, the the one thing I'll say about Seattle, it's their first home game. Yeah, maybe they're a little
1: bit better than they showed, but will look a little bit better here at home. They probably are better at home. Um, the thing I'm looking for though is a one-on-one matchup again. It was. We had Jermaine Effetti against Khalil Mack this week. And, I, I mean, Effetti didn't do well, but he did better than I would have said he would do against It
0: was really weird how they were using him, like Khalil how he was, he, was, he was almost trying to catch Mack. And so they were chipping Mack, and then he was trying to catch Mack like almost in Russell Wilson's lap. He was setting yeah. way too close to Russell Wilson. It was, but he, that did, was I mean,
1: he did better than I would have expected him to do against Khalil Mack, even given the help and the yeah. fact that Mack then went to terrorize Dwayne Brown for a little bit. Um, but now we've got Jermaine Effetti against DeMarcus Lawrence. Uh, so, it's like round two of, oh, no, here it comes. Uh, so, if Fetty's given up three sacks through two games, like I say, struggled against Khalil Mack, although probably better than I thought he would do. Demarcus Lawrence, though, is still on a tear. He's not gone back in the, He's not gone back to the sort of average player. He is still on this Defensive Player of the Year caliber run that he had a year ago. Um, Twelve total pressures through two games. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Um that's it's the same as Khalil Mack, right? So, yeah, he's on fire. He goes up against Jermaine Effetti, who is essentially still a liability at right tackle. How's that going to go? Yeah, that's a tough matchup,
0: I would say. Yeah. Tough matchup for Effetti, once again. Uh, you can't hide right tackles in the NFL today, Sam. That's the thing. Um, I want to see Seattle's pass rush on the other side because they've got the second lowest grade behind only the Raiders. So their pass rush, again, something that made Seattle great. Coverage on the back end, Legion of Boom, but also just a bunch of guys who could get after the quarterback. Currently, right now, their top graded pass rusher, Tom Johnson.
1: Who's that's the Vikings,
0: now. right? Yeah, he's not there anymore. That's not great. Uh, Frank Clark's number two. Frank Clark does have seven pressures, two sacks, and five hurries. He was the only guy that looked
1: like anything against the Bears.
0: Yeah, that's it. So after just from a pure pressure standpoint, Frank Clark has seven, and then Quentin Jefferson and Dion Jordan are tied for second with two apiece. Yeah. So the Seattle pass rush needs to get going. Chances are they'll be better. Again, at home, the crowd, the twelfth man—if they have any energy after the start—but uh, that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Where are we going? This could be every uh, anywhere Seattle here. Both of us. A lot of Seattle. Yes, yeah, everyone this, except Neil. I got the Seattle coming at home, coming home and looking better. All right, off to Sunday Night Football: New England Patriots at. The Detroit Lions.
1: So it's a big question, Mark, because he's still on the injury report after getting cut for this hamstring injury, but Josh Gordon, I want to see him play. So that the yeah. only thing I'm interested in this game is if Josh Gordon plays. If he's not playing, I'm just not watching. I refuse. Okay. The end.
0: So I want to watch the Lions defense against Tom Brady. You've got Matt Patricia, who supposedly knows Brady inside and out. We've seen this story before, former defensive coordinators against Brady or whatever. Yeah. But to me, it's still this fascinating matchup. Like, if Brady ever had to go up against Belichick, how would Belichick game plan against Brady, right? When you have Patricia, I mean, it's like the closest thing to it, I think. I think. Closest thing to it, maybe. Um, So I just want to see this whole thing. The Lions defense has been bad. Bottom five in our grades. Defensively, coverage, all that stuff. That's why my prop bet was over 391 yards for Brady. There you go. Brady in a dome. Against the Lions defense, coming off a loss. That's a lot of yards. Potentially with like an 87-yard touchdown to Josh Gordon mixed that in That would there. help, right? Yes, That's what um, – Gronk only had a couple catches last week. There's yeah. like all these things pointing to, let's get back to Gronk. Let's bounce back from last week. Let's, we're in a dome. Let's Gronk tear it up. Gronk
1: versus those Lions linebackers could definitely get you halfway there.
0: Yeah, so that's, uh, that's what I'm looking at. I'm just fascinated by this whole – if somebody who knows a quarterback inside and out, how do they attack things? Okay. So, yeah, uh, we're all taking New England. I'm still not order. watching
1: if Josh Gordon's not playing. Okay, well uh, we'll let you know once the uh, inactive. Unless it's are announced. the sky game, in which case I'm going to have to. Yeah, that's your job. Yeah,
0: but it's Sunday night football. So it won't be. Oh, there you go. Perfect. So you're good. Uh, Monday night football, which uh, coming into the season, it was like, oh, that's an interesting matchup, and now all of a sudden it's like the Pittsburgh Steelers against FitzMagic.
1: It's, what a fascinating we need story. We FitzMagic music. Our top whoa, graded whoa, whoa, quarterback. Fitzmagic. Yeah, top-graded quarterback through two games. Not just the top-graded quarterback this season, top-graded quarterback we've ever seen through two games. By a distance, like he's miles ahead of anybody else. Nine big-time throws over two games. That's like three more, I think, than anybody else. What if I told you, so before the season, I'd be like, oh, we've got the top-graded
0: quarterback against the number 28-graded quarterback. Yeah. It's the Steelers and the Bucks,
1: <laughs> Which And Jameis
0: Winston's out for three games. Yeah, which one's which? Yeah, of course. Well, Big Ben's ranked number one. And Fitz is number twenty-eight, right? Yeah, flip him. Nope, Big Ben. That's insane. Number twenty-eight. But the thing
1: is, right? So we've been obviously we're expecting this Fitzpatrick roller coaster to nose dive into a cliff at some point, and you get old Brian Fitzpatrick. But the Pittsburgh secondary is not good. Like Mahomes just carved them to pieces. They couldn't do anything against him. Um, I, like this is a decent game for that train to keep rolling, right? Yes. Yeah, he's supposed to nose dive. I was
0: wrong. I was completely wrong on calling the regression for, Fitz, for Fitzpatrick. We all know it's coming at some point.
1: It just hasn't yet. But, but this listen is a to, good game for it to keep
0: going. It is interesting listening to our guy, Zach Robinson, as we talk at the office, though. We did a little YouTube video talking about Fitz a little bit, and he's just saying how comfortable he is. And he's got no, you know no-look passes, and he's just ripping passes left and right that he's just confident in. I mean, there's something to it. When you have those receivers, and that's why I want to see the Bucs receivers against the Sealer secondary because they should absolutely light them up again.
1: Well, it's like what I was saying, that for some reason you can go on a season-long run of outlier play like Brett Favre in 09. It is possible. This could be crazy. This is, yeah, This, this could, could be I'm going. crazy. So that's it. Bucks, that's all the games.
0: Bucs wide receivers versus cornerbacks, but we're both still taking Pittsburgh. The only person taking Tampa Bay is Zach. No, no, no there's a couple. Sorry, I can't read. Zach, Gordon, Zach, Jeff, and Gordon. Jeff Radcliffe. Oh, so pretty good. All right, we've got a couple segments so we started last week. Uh, looking forward to this weekend, who's going to be our Dalton Coaster of the week? Again, the guy that either
1: is too high or too low. So I think all the people so far we've done have been too high, and we expect them to come back down to earth. I'm going the other way. Big Ben, the 28th-ranked quarterback, apparently – According to our PFF grade, so I've just learned, um, he's been terrible through the first two games. He's coming back against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay secondary is still not great. Big Ben is going to come back. Pittsburgh is chaos at the moment. Antonio Brown disciplined for sitting out practice. Apparently, irate that they're not like he. That's when deep. the Steelers
0: are at their best. He,
1: exactly, this is they're what I'm at their saying. Best. We're gonna. They're in. They're in the foxhole right now. Backs yeah. against the wall. It's crisis time. This is when they come out. Big Ben, to Antonio Brown, like 200 yards. It's it's going to be a big big bend day. I'm going to go DJ Swearinger for my guy that's
0: going to come back down to earth, one of our top-graded safeties, going up against Aaron Rodgers. He's going to have him uh, on a string. Play action, moving left Here's and right. The thing,
1: though. Swearinger's actually kind of good now. I know. I still don't believe in
0: him. I'm, still like, just, I'm like you with freshman yeah. players where you just can't believe that they can get better and yeah, become yeah. good. You're just that's ruined by that
1: one year where Swearinger seemed to be at the heart of every single coverage bust in the Texans' defense.
0: Yeah. Well that's what I'm going with. Okay. Swearing just coming back down to earth. Biggest mismatch of the
1: year, Sam. Of the week. I'm sorry. Aaron Donald against the what passes for the Los Angeles Chargers offense. Do we line. just
0: tape the segment once and we're just going to run it every week? We could do,
1: but I think this one particular because the Arizona Cardinals are the thirty second and lowest ranked offensive line in the NFL right now. The Los Angeles Chargers are the thirty first and therefore second worst offensive line in the league right now. I mean, the Chargers can never somehow string an offensive line together. Mike Renner, his line with the Chargers is that, that offensive line was built on an Indian burial ground. The more people that go down, the more I'm inclined to believe that. Aaron Donald versus substandard offensive lineman is just, it's, it's a nightmare. It's ugly.
0: Uh, I'm going to go with the one I mentioned earlier, Patriots passing offense against the Lions pass defense, especially Darius Slay. That's key. Concussion protocol even though Brady doesn't target receivers anymore. He might now. He might if he has one. Um, But uh, again, I just think there's a lot of things pointing to the Pats, uh, tearing up the Lions' pass defense. I think that's going to be the mismatch of the week. Okay. Your favorite segment of the week. Yeah. uh, I hope you you had something. I know, and you made me forget it. It's what grinds
1: our gears. You and wouldn't let me run this on Monday. and now I can't remember what it is. I told you to save it, and then we couldn't remember what it was. We're going to share See, this one. What so. needs to happen is on Monday, you need to like write down the things that are annoying the crap out of me, because as we've discovered, Mondays are going to be an, a, a cranky Sam day. So we The need best to, part was when you couldn't
0: remember. When I was trying to figure out, when you were trying to figure out what you what it was, yeah. I guessed like 50 things that you hate, yeah. and none of them...
1: Like, that's how, much thing, that's how many things you hate. Yeah, and i might just stop naming things that I don't like. It's not where – that wasn't helping. Um, but, yeah, we need to tap into Cranky Mondays because that's going to be what's feeding what grinds my gears this that's week. That's fair. So, yeah, we're, we're both, um, both going to share this one. And actually, both – it surfaced during that Thursday night game, Baltimore against Cincinnati um, in the press box. The underthrown deep ball being bailed out by a defensive pass interference penalty is ridiculous. It's Grins a my terrible rule – um, we are rewarding crappy offensive play. Hate it. And Joe Flacco has been the biggest beneficiary of this over the past decade in, in the entire league. I, like, I can't remember the last deep throw he had that was not underthrown. Torrey Smith made an entire career out of like trying to come back through the defensive back for the 10-yard underthrown pass that Joe Flacco sent his way, just like throwing your arms out, and then flag comes in. And the counter you get to, from, from everybody at this is, well, Just turn around, find the ball. Like, don't play bad defense and it won't be a penalty. The first thing is, it's not necessarily bad defense, right? A lot of teams are coached not necessarily to find the ball. We use this as this universal truth that you get in position, then turn your head around, find the football. Some teams are coached not to do that. You are coached to play the receiver, which is don't. You can, if you turn looking for the ball, you inherently lose track of where the receiver is. It's a difficult thing to, to juggle and to maintain, right? So some defensive back coaches teach their guy, keep playing the receiver. And when he goes up for the ball, you play your hand through his hands. That's how you break it up. You don't need to find it yourself. You just need to prevent him catching it. So it's not necessarily bad technique or bad defense or anything like that. The other thing is, if the ball is so absurdly out of whack with where it should be, you simply should not have to like jump out of the guy's way because he's trying to adjust back through where you are. The, you know, when you talk about you're entitled to the space you're in, right? Yeah. I, th- I should be allowed to keep running in a straight line down the field. I shouldn't have to jump out of your way. I shouldn't just because, have to worry because your quarterback yeah, underthrew you by five Just because the yards. quarterback yeah. underthrew you ten yards, I shouldn't have to j- leap out of your way when you're trying to come back. For the ball. It grinds my gears too, Sam. Good. We're sharing it this week. It's, it's the a worst. a ridiculous thing. There's we nothing I hate worse
0: it. than putting into our PFF analysis tab a negative grade and then for
1: 40 yards. Yeah. For 30 yeah. yards. So I think I'm... Def- defensive pass... I'm not even one of these people necessarily thinks that defensive pass interference should not be a spot foul. But it should be thrown out of the window if the if the pass is underthrown by like 5, 10 yards. Yeah. You. You, sh- you just shouldn't call it. And the... It's perfectly acceptable, I think, to put that on the officials. There's plenty of other judgment calls that are folded yeah. into all this stuff. That pass anyway. was too bad. Yeah. That, like, it's the, that's that's like uncatchable, right? If, if it's an uncatchable throw out of the back of the end zone, it's not defensive pass interference. If it's uncatchable because it's, if it's just 5, 10 yards under thrown, it should not be defensive pass interference because the pass is so absurdly bad that it doesn't deserve to be rewarded by a penalty. So I could see it. They throw the flag. They huddle. Yeah.
0: They no. pick it up and then wave it back at Joe. Yeah. Sorry, Joe. Five yards underthrown. Terrible pass, Not Joe. Getting it. Sorry. Yep. Not doing it. We fixed it. Fixed. Grinds our Excellent. gears. All right. Let's wrap it up. That was the... productive.
1: Usually, grinds our gears doesn't go anywhere, but this time we actually fixed it. Yeah,
0: we did. Make better judgment calls, refs. Yeah. Marquee matchup of the week, Sam.
1: What are we looking at? Marshawn Lattimore versus Julio Jones. Every time, every year. Two point one. Year two, first yes. game. Yeah, yeah. Two point one. Yeah. I like it. Twice a year. Yes. Um. It was fun. Rookie year and. Marshall Lattimore was so good that um, we actually got to see them uh, track Julio Jones. He went one-on-one. They were going with him the whole way. Um, he had 14 targets, nine catches, 213 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, two pass breakups for an overall passer rating of 77.9 Julio whilst in Marshall Lattimore's coverage. I like it. It's going to be marquee twice a year. Um, I want to debate
0: between a couple marquee matchups because I mentioned Aaron Rodgers versus Washington's pass coverage, number one in the NFL so far, and then the one that you mentioned, too, uh, with the Chargers, Keenan Allen going against Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters. It can't just be all shallow crosses for Keenan Allen, so I want to see Allen one-on-one with Tlaib and Peters because he's going to have to win at some point, even if they put him in the slot and it's Roby Coleman. So okay. a lot to like in that game from a pass game standpoint. That'll do it. We're done. Quick and efficient again. We hope everybody enjoys your week three NFL action. Of course, don't forget to get to ProFootballFocus.com. Get your PFF Elite Package. That's where you can find premium stats and our exclusive PFF Green Line picks. All right, guys. Everybody enjoy the week, and we'll we'll talk to you guys Monday with our week three reviews.